All right, so here's the deal. We need you. Yes, you. Not you. You're out here already. Don't point. That's so rude. Oh, sorry. To please like, subscribe, and follow This Is True Really News. I have weird animal stories, and I don't know if the animal stories are weird because of the animals, mostly because of the people. Well, good, because I've got a walrus story. And they're like animals with teeth. (laughs) Wasn't that? Remember? They called them teeth. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Totally. Oh, I haven't seen 3 yet. I gotta get there. Look for teeth. You'll look for teeth. Where was I now? Uh, Like, subscribe, and follow. This is Truly News. We'd appreciate that. And we have animal stories. That's it. You had a walrus story. Teeth, and there we go again. Wow. What a weird circle. Mick and Teeth. (laughs) If you've already done that, thank you. If you're on the lookout for weird stories like my sister-in-law who hooked me on the animal things, thanks, Michelle. Uh, You can send them off to TITR at netradio.network or do what Michelle does and just send it to my personal email, which I'm not giving out. So if you happen to be psyched. Because between Michelle and the spammers, everyone knows already. (laughs) There you go. This is True Really News with Scott Combs and Tony Vercanis. All the news you're about to hear is true. Really? As far as you know. And no, I don't need feminine hygiene products. I'm sorry. (laughs) Much as you want them. (laughs) Well, no, no. (laughs) Just one more thing to go wrong. Exactly. A walrus calf rescued in northern Alaska is capturing hearts online. The young animal weighing in at about 140 pounds. Yep. was found well, a couple of weeks ago, about four miles inland from the Beaufort Sea, or Beaufort Sea. Beaufort Sea. Beaufort. 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 Yeah. This was an Atlantic? No, this was a Pacific walrus. Oh, good. But he didn't expect to be seen. They didn't expect to see him in the Beaufort, Beaufort. Where he was. Yeah. So there, he's a Pacific walrus. You can tell because he's always doing this. Maybe he's training for the Olympics. Yeah. (laughs) There is that. Um, Let's see. Walruses depend heavily on their Walruses can't do this. Well, he tries. Maybe that's why he's so disgruntled. How do you regruntle a walrus? Well, you first you have to ungruntle them. I suppose. So get all the gruntles straightened out, put it back. Yep, it's easy. Thing. In any case, they're dependent on their moms for the first couple of years, and with no maternal figure in sight, officials knew the wandering calf wouldn't survive alone. So, it's estimated to be about one month old at the time of rescue. It was flown to the Sea Life Center and found to be suffering from malnutrition, dehydration, a cloudy eye, and a possible infection. Not only that, he had some low grades. We are um, we are lucky that this that his first night went well," said Jean Belovarak, the center's wildlife response curator. That's how it's pronounced in French, I guess. It isn't often that we're able to admit a walrus calf, but every time we do, we learn more about the species and how to care for them. As of August third, the walrus Chumley was... Chumley. Ooh, that's a great name. That's it. Chumley. I couldn't think of who that walrus was, but Tennessee tuxedo on <laughs> a cartoon, Tony, a cartoon. And you have that song still going through your head. He was a what? <laughs> he was a two dimensional being. Imagine that. So major minor was 
two-dimensional. <laughs> I know, I know it's frustrating. But if you watch the AHA video enough, you'll get it. As of August 3rd, no. <laughs> the walrus was... I'd rather out. watch us more. <laughs> Me too. Uh, under a 24-hour care regimen that includes... You ready? This is something yep. I think you ought to sign up for. Okay. On the clock cuddling. In order to eliminate the physical or eliminate, emulate the physical closeness usually provided by the mom, calves tend to habituate quickly to human care and staff report he's already eating formula from a bottle. And I think you can volunteer to hug him. So, Tone, I, if you're up for it, if you want to visit Alaska, I think your calling is there. You are a hugger. No. <laughs> what do you mean, no? Because he'll do what every young walrus does. He'll take the cuddles and then swim off and leave you alone. No cards, no calls, nothing. He may even just poop right on you. And Well, that's what every little one does, don't they? Mm -hmm. At least once. In response to conflict that was emerging betwixt native beavers in southwest Idaho and the increasing prevalence of those evil beings, mankind. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I get the feeling this was all written by a tree hugger. Uh, anyway, Idaho Fish and You know, they department. could employ that to help another mammal if they only chose to help another mammal. Yes. Idaho Fish and Game Department, the IFG, which sounds like it should be like a spy thing, yep. could see that the beaver problem they'd been managing since the 1930s was only getting worse. However, exterminating the little rascals wasn't a desirable option either, as beavers do provide valuable ecosystem services. What to do? What to do? Armed with nothing but some beavers, a dream, and a pocket full of parachutes, they hatched an idea. Go ahead. There's something in there that didn't fit, right? Yeah. What's with yeah. the parachutes? That was the part of the dream for the beavers. Oh, they've on. always wanted. Is this a bucket list thing for beavers? Do you remember the episode of Band of Brothers where they? <laughs> Or they jumped out of the airplanes? Well, that I was thinking more, more when they at the camp and they just jumped off the... Oh, yeah. Kept jumping off that thing. You just broke your leg. You just broke your neck. You just broke both of your legs and the guy behind you. I, Where was I now? In 1950 document that was titled Transplanting Beavers by... Transplanting? Transplanting Beaver by Airplane and Parachute. The IFG's Elmo Heater explained why more conventional methods of transplanting yon beavers had failed. He described it as an arduous, prolonged, and expensive effort with high mortality among the beavers themselves. And never mind trying to teach them to yell well, Geronimo no, to when they, they jump out the door. They were packed on horses, right? Okay. So they were in the direct heat from the sun for days on end. Yeah. So now they're not really eating. Yeah. Some are getting pretty damn crabby. Right. And some of them just die right out there. Yeah. So Heater writes, it's evident that a faster, cheaper, and safer method of transportation was of vital need. Okay. So, the use of planes and parachutes has filled that need. Before releasing their Navy SEAL beavers, <laughs> the IFG tra trialed dummy weights first to establish that, yes, a surplus 24 rayon World War II parachute would, in fact, satisfactorily land a couple of beavers in a box. But it could also just blow them way off course. <laughs> You are just going to suck all the life right out of this Steering great idea. Steering those right? things is not this, impossible. This young man, this is why most great ideas now are funded by the government, because you squash them. Always. 
It's also why most of them are more expensive and don't work. Why do story. I get so many people passing by me and giving me bad ideas? Then I, well, you've got that look and your wife has that thing tattooed on your forehead. Yeah, it seemed the U.S. could deal with a surfeit of beavers and parachutes all in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one fell swoop. You went, somebody went to like school to figure that one out. Yeah. Pairs of beavers are packed in boxes carried by a single chute, which came with the benefit of needing half as many. Thank you. Okay. Uh, also reduce the chances of beavers relocating the second they hit ground because they had buddies with them, right? Okay. So one old male beaver, who they fondly called Geronimo, was dropped again and again on the flying field for testing purposes. He just says each time he scrambled out of the box, someone was on hand to pick him back up and put him back in the box. Finally, not being a stupid beaver, he became resigned as soon as he was approached. Upon landing, he would just go right back in the box, ready to go up again. (laughs) This is called habituation. Yeah, you may be sure that Geronimo had a priority reservation on the first ship into the hinterland, and three young ladies went with him. Ooh. Hmm. Is that where the tail thing came? Even there, he stayed. Even there, he stayed in the box for a long time after his harem was already out inspecting the new surroundings. However, his colony was later reported as very well established. Eventually, they got him to come out of there. It's like. No, they're out there somewhere, man. Kind of like the IRS. Geronimo's maiden flights paved the way for a payload of 76 live beavers to take flight in the fall of 1948, resulting in just one casualty. Hmm. And proof this was written by someone with a very sensitive heart. Not to victim blame, but it could have been the beaver's fault. You're going to have work to do here in a second. No shit, Sherlock. Now we can nip that. Yeah. After release, a cable came loose, creating a small enough gap in the box, so that beaver stuck his head out, crawled on top of the box. Heater reported that he would still have been fine, but for some unknown reason, uh, he was about 75 feet from ground, and he decided to jump. Or he just fell. Either way, mm. one, less, one less beaver. Yeah, Sort of a beaver souffle at the end of the... Being the government, the drop method was later analyzed. Word was revealed that... The parachute method was actually cheaper than the previous method. It was only 16 bucks per beaver. Nice. It also reduced the number of beaver deaths and the hours of manual labor needed to complete the journey. So now, what did, did they do? What? Did it again. Well, no, now they're going to parachute wolves into Michigan. Oh, that sounds good. I'll tell you about that later. I got a question on that, though. Easy one. What Did they, did they go collect the parachutes in the boxes? They're trained beavers. <laughs> They picked up the parachutes, put them in the boxes, buried the boxes so the Nazis wouldn't find them. <laughs> of course they did. That's them's the rules with those parachutes. Wait a minute. You, are you trying to say that maybe all that rayon is left out there destroying nature as we speak? Yes. That's what I'm saying. The bastards, earth mother hating types that they are. That's oh. right. Now, you really want to be upset. I'm going to tell you about some colors you've never heard of before. I mean, like mauve and chartreuse and... Keep going. I've heard of all those. Mauve, chartreuse, um, red. The ninth, rather, the 1897 guide house decoration includes in a chapter dedicated to mixing oil paints, a list of new colors for ladies dresses, among which is Australian. Inspired by the rusty color of the rocks and deserts of the Australian outback. 
The name Australienne was used by dressmakers and fashion houses in late Victorian England for a deep orange color. I have an idea. What? We get a young girl. She's Her parents are killed in front of her. They were part of a mob. Okay. She comes to the United States, trains with her uncle as a killer. Okay. And becomes Australiana. Ooh. I mean, it worked for Zoe Saldana in, in Colombiana, so why not? <laughs> Bastard Amber is the name. I'm sorry, Bastard Amber. I don't think Amber deserved that. It's the name of an amber-colored spotlight used in theaters to produce a warm peach or pink glow on stage. It's often used, used called warm pink or peach, whatever <laughs> that is. It's often used to recreate sunlight or give the illusion of dawn or dust. They could make it like it's a warm pitch or now, a warm peak. Let's just say the closer to noon you are, the bluer the sunlight is. And it's a little more orange as it gets, if it's sunrise or sunset. And now we're at Fiddler on the Roof. Great. Drunk Tank. Is Does this come with chunks? <laughs> it's the, probably. It's probably the name of a Does bright... a nice urine smell to go with it? I'm just... A br bright shade of pink that has been the subject of a number of studies on the effects of colors on human beings and their temperament, also known as Baker Miller pink. After the two U.S. Navy officers who invented it, has been demonstrated in numerous experiments to have a calming influence. And so is often used in prisons and police holding cells to help keep the people inside relaxed and to discourage unruly behavior. You know, unless stabby. Yeah, all that. Yeah. This is True Really News. Send email to TITR at netradio.network.